0: If you've got your Bibles, we're going to be in uh, the book of John. Um, last week we launched uh, our deep dive series into the book of John where we're going we're to be camping out in the book of John for a season. So I hope you brought your swags and your tents and um, we're going to get camped around the book of John. Um, so you've got your Bibles or you've got it on your phone or you've got a book. That's awesome. Let's turn to it. We're going to be in John chapter 1. And just as a recap, last week, and I'd encourage you, if you've got time or if you're interested, why don't you hop on our website, you know, this week, if you missed the service last week, and there's a link where you can go to our our page where we've got our podcast, and the sermon for last week is there, so you can get caught up on what we talked about more fully last week. Um, But I'm really excited about what God's wanting to speak to you out of our series in the book of John. Um, and I was saying last week, I'm really thankful for the Word of God because it means I don't have to come up with the content of what we get to talk about. That like God's already thought about it. Um, and God is wanting to illuminate to our heart um, what He's already inspired in the Word of God. So we talked out of um, all the way from verses 1 to verses 18. Um, and some of the key themes that were, t- were talked about is that how Jesus was God's revelation. His big, great revelation to us is that it's Jesus. He is the, the revelation or the, the Word of God. It's His revelation greatest expression to us is Jesus. And when we look at Jesus, we actually see the Father revealed. That's what we talked about out of that passage. And it talked about how Jesus was actually the agent of God's creation. It says the Word was God and was with God. And He was there in the beginning and He created everything. Um, And I'm sort of paraphrasing, but you can go and listen and read yourself um, what it says. But it says He created everything that is there. And we talked about if Jesus is the author of creation, and we also read in Colossians that He also sustains creation by His Word, is that we don't have to freak out about what's going on in our society, what's going on in our Word. And I know there is a lot of cause for concern. And there's, I don't know about you, but there's so much stuff going on. And it might seem like chaos, but the Bible says that Jesus is the, the, the author of creation and he sustains everything. So God's in control. God's in control. Can you just, and, and, and it's like that fake it till you make it type thing. Just keep repeating that to yourself when we begin to worry and we begin to, to um, stress out. God, you're in control of creation. This is your creation. You're in control. Uh, and, and, and so amazing things that, you know, Jesus came and He, he came to tabernacle and live with us. So that's all there in what we talked about last week. But this week, we're just going to move on from that. And we're going to read from verses uh, 19 to 34. So let's read that and then we'll pray. So John chapter 1, verses 19. And it says, This was the testimony of John. When the Jewish leaders sent priests and temple assistants from Jerusalem to ask John whether he claimed to be the Messiah, he flatly denied it. I am not the Messiah, he said. Well, then who are you? They asked. Are you Elijah? No, he replied. Are you the prophet? No. Then who are you? Tell us so that we can give an answer to those who sent us. What do you have to say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah, I am the voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare a straight pathway for the Lord's coming. Then those who were sent by the Pharisees asked him, if you aren't the Messiah or Elijah or the prophet, what right do you have to baptise? And John told them, I baptise with water, but right uh, right here in the crowd is someone you do not know who will soon begin his ministry. I am not even worthy to be his slave. This incident took place at Bethany, a village east of the Jordan River where John was baptizing. Verse 29 says, The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, there is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is the one I was talking about when I said, Soon a man is coming who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before I did. I didn't know he was the one, uh, but I have been baptizing with water in order to point him out to Israel. Then John said, "I saw the Holy Spirit descending like a dove from heaven and resting upon him. I didn't know he was the one, but when God sent me to baptize with water, he told me, When you see the Holy Spirit descending and resting upon someone, he is the one you are looking for. He is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. I saw this happen to Jesus, so I testify that he is the Son of God. Let's pray, Lord, thank you for your word. We pray for your help in In understanding what you're saying to us, we pray that you would illuminate our hearts to receive it, Lord. Would it be to us like a lamp in a dark place? Would your word to us just light up, Lord, what's around us? God, and for those of us that are feeling overwhelmed by darkness or overwhelmed by by whatever they've got going on, your word becomes a lamp in that place. So, Lord, we just ask for your help. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So the book of John, written by the Apostle John, at the one that leaned on Jesus' chest at, and asked who's going to betray, had a really close relationship with Jesus. But here it gets a little confusing and you could get lost in the Johns, that the Apostle John is then talking about John the Baptist. At this point, he's, he's, he's saying... To, about John the Baptist, and we're gonna, that's what we're going to dive into. But I want to remind you of what the purpose of the Apostle John, the author of the Gospel of John, what his purpose was in writing this book. And we see it actually in chapter 20, which we're not up to, but we'll skip forward like a little preview. In John chapter 20, verses 31... This is what the Apostle John, the author of this book, says, The disciples saw Jesus do many miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this this book, but these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in Him, you will have life by the power of His name. So the, the author's intent is to get people to believe in this person, Jesus, that he's trying to encourage people and 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 it was written about 60 years, probably 60 to 90 years after Jesus was crucified and resurrected and he was writing to a young church and writing to people who've probably never heard. They might have heard rumours about this Jesus fellow that got crucified, but it was still fresh. It, it, John wasn't writing to a 2,000 year old church that said, oh, I know about Jesus, yeah, yeah, I know, yeah, yeah, Easter, yep, yeah. yeah. No, these are people that are needing to hear the message of Jesus. And He's wanting them to come to a place in their life where they put their faith in Jesus. It's, it's evangelistic is the term that sometimes we use. It's about trying to reach out. Trying to, it's like when you're trying to convince somebody of a restaurant that you like. Or, I'm trying to get you to see from my point of view. That's what the author is, is trying to do. So he's trying to tell people about Jesus. We, I've said that 10 times. I don't know why I kept repeating it. Anyway, that's his intent. And in doing so, he's put together all these stories and it's from his perspective of what happened with Jesus. And then he says, don't just trust my words about Jesus. What does John the Baptist have to say? That's what he's, he's saying. Look, don't just believe what I'm going to say. Here's what John the Baptist said. And, and the people he, were write, he was writing to knew about John the Baptist because he had, a, he had quite a prominent ministry. He was a little bit of a, a, a fan, like a little celebrity in, in the world at that time. He was a little odd, a little eccentric, and he would be out in the wilderness preaching. and you know, But odd is good, eccentric is good, but they knew about this. And, and the author of this book is saying, this is what John the Baptist had to say. And so we get to see from John the Baptist's perspective, but one of the, the chief things right out there, I think what this little section of Scripture deals with is that there are, there are, we see two types of people when it comes to hearing the message of Jesus. It's those that are, are able to receive it and those for whatever reason who are not able to receive the message of Jesus. And we see in John, the Baptist, somebody that was open to receiving the, this revelation about who Jesus was. And we see the, the religious leaders, funny, isn't that? The religious leaders the ones that you would think that are definitely gonna get it right. Because my question was to myself, I wonder if I would have recognised Jesus if I was in that day. Would have I gone? oh yeah, Jesus! Or would have I gone, hmm, it's a bit strange. This is different to what I've been told and my expectations are a little. If we put ourselves in their shoes, it might actually be easy to see that I I can understand how people might have missed this revelation of Jesus being the one that God had sent. And guess what? Even John the Baptist had missed it. He didn't immediately know. Because if you didn't know, John the Baptist was actually cousins with Jesus. So they would be at family barbecues and whatever they're doing. And, and John the Baptist is, is not making a connection. And he only says, this, listen to what John the Baptist says um, in verses, um, verses 29. It says, Then the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, There is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is the one I was talking about when I said, Soon a man is coming who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before I did. I didn't know he was the one, but I have been baptising with water in order to point him out. Then John said, I saw the Holy Spirit descending like a dove from heaven and resting upon him. 33, I didn't know He was the one, but when God sent me to baptise with water, He told me when you see the Holy Spirit descending and resting upon someone, He is the one you are looking for. So we would think, man, not even the guy that is testifying about who Jesus is recognised Him immediately. But what I love is John says, when I saw Jesus again, there was something different. When I saw the Holy Spirit rest upon him and I saw him from a new perspective and I began to see not just his humanity, I began to see his divinity. And my encouragement to you today is would you take a fresh look at Jesus today? Would you you for a moment just say, Jesus, I just wanna, wanna look afresh upon you today. Maybe I've been looking at you in a way that is just too natural. Maybe I've been considering you just to be like my best friend that's just there for me but got no power. Maybe we need a fresh look on who Jesus is today to see Him afresh because that's what this book is about, to amplify and to make famous who Jesus is. So are you ready to look afresh at who Jesus is in your life? And so John makes a testimony. He is testifying, John the Baptist, about who Jesus is. And he says these things about Jesus. And he says, um, and we just read it in verse 29 and, and onwards, he says, he introduces Jesus this way. He says, behold, look, the Lamb of God, the Lamb of God who takes away Sin of the world. Let's just pause here for a moment. In in that day, there was great hope for this kingly figure, this savior figure, to come and save Israel from their troubles, save them from the occupation of the Roman government, to give them their land back. And the term was they were waiting for a Messiah, an anointed one, a kingly figure like. King David and King Solomon to put things right. They were waiting. And, and you'd imagine, you're waiting for somebody to come and save you. you. You want guns and muscles and swords and strength and power and don't walk like that, but walk, you know. Huh. Okay, all right, I see you, Jesus. You, I mean, that's what I would ask for if you put an order in. But when John introduces Jesus, the Messiah, the, the kingly figure, He introduces him this way, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I just think Jesus came in such a way that was so different to everybody's expectations. That God's victory in our life was actually through sacrifice. And Jesus wasn't just coming to rehome the Israelite people, but He was coming to rehome all people into connection with the Father. He was coming to save all people from the tyranny of sin and death and darkness and sickness. Jesus came to beat the devil up, but He did it as a lamb. Can you believe that? A lamb. And some of the imagery behind that is when, when they would worship in the Old Testament, they would take sacrifices and a spotless lamb would be used as, as, as the, the sacrifice for people's sin. They would, the, the blood of the lamb would, would atone for their sin. And we know Jesus came as the spotless lamb of God to atone. And what that means is to pay the price or pay the debt of our brokenness and our shame, to, to make right the disconnect between God and people through sacrifice, through His blood, And so behold, John the Baptist is introducing Jesus as the Lamb of God. And so what what we need to understand is that no matter what we're carrying, no matter what shame and brokenness and guilt and feeling of muck, and maybe you feel like dirty and like God can't love you, behold the Lamb of God that has come to take away the sin of the world. Not just the sin of some people, not just the brokenness of some people, but the world. Hey, you're included in that. Hey, I'm included in that. And thank the Lord that I'm included because uh, how I need the blood of Jesus, how I need the forgiveness of God, how I need the cleansing of Jesus to, to help me and to heal me and to make me right. We needed a Saviour. And behold, it was Jesus, the Lamb of God. And what I, it's so powerful. There was so much strength in that, but it looked like weakness. You wouldn't plan it that way. You, it, it, and the Bible talks about God's wisdom being so uh, different to ours, it just confounds. It was so simple, it was almost silly as the cross of Christ it seemed like a mistake, but what looked like a mistake was God's greatest plan of redemption and bringing us back the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So your sin, my sin, my brokenness, your brokenness is covered by Jesus because He comes as the Lamb of God. And there's a lot of imagery in that, that we could spend time. For the sake of time, God comes to take away our sin. And it's so amazing. So John says, behold, the Lamb of God. And I love, so John says, and we talked about this briefly. John says, I didn't recognise Him until I saw the Holy Spirit come upon Him and rest upon Him. And so what we see, and it says, the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus and remained upon Him. So everything that Jesus does from that point onwards is empowered by the Holy Spirit. So John the Baptist introduces Jesus as a Lamb of God and somebody that was empowered by the Holy Spirit to do that which He was going to do. And then he says, furthermore, that... John the Baptist, I baptise with water, but somebody's coming that's going to baptise with the Holy Spirit. So the same power that Jesus walked in in the Holy Spirit to do everything that He did, we're going to get into that in the, as we you know, unpack and camp around, was done by the power of the Holy Spirit. But guess what? You're baptised in the same Holy Spirit. It's a secret. The same Holy Spirit... That is upon Jesus. Jesus says, I am giving you the Holy Spirit to be with you. You're empowered to live this thing called a Christian life. Not out of the the strength of your faith and the good looks that you have, but out of the power that God gives you through the Holy Spirit, baptised in the Holy Spirit. So I want you, and I'm always wanting these messages to be applicable so we can see that my sin is covered My shame and my brokenness is covered and my ability to do life is empowered by the Holy Spirit. You can do it. You can get through what you're going through. Tough as it is, unfair as it is, God's with you to bring you through and to empower you in the name of Jesus. Empowering, empowering, empowering. Sylvia, empowering and encouragement into your life. God wants you to just, a download of that—he's all over your life. He's never left you, never forsaken you. He's with you. So feel that the empowering of the Holy Spirit. You're just looking that way. Sorry. Focus. So God's covered our sin. He's empowering us to live. And just on that, we are empowered to live the life that He's called us to live. So. Whatever you're facing, just know God's empowered you to get through it. The challenges that we're facing as a church, as a society, God's empowered us to walk in that, to represent Jesus in that. Wow. So John's wanting to just say, look at Jesus, Lamb of God, the empowered one, the empowering one, and the Son of God says the Messiah at the end of what we read in verses 34, I saw this happen to Jesus, so I testify that He is the Son of God. So this Jesus that has come to save us is not just some offshoot, not some second rate preacher, not some this, but it's the very Son of God that has come into the world so that we might have faith in Him. God sent His best when He sent Jesus. God sent His Son. God sent His Son. And I love that the, the, that family and sonship is connected into that because we read, if you were here last week, and you can check out this podcast and, on the website, but it says there, to all who believed in Him, He gave right to become children of God. So Jesus is the Son of God and invites us to become children of God through faith in Him. Exciting. Okay. So that's who John the Baptist Testifies about Jesus. But then I, I, I was loving what I saw from John the Baptist. The passage is about Jesus, but we see through John the Baptist a model and a representation of what it means to be a Christian in the world. This is actually the first Christian preacher, John the Baptist. Mm-hmm. He, was te- he, was the, given, he was given sermons about Jesus before Jesus was even ready to get started. He's preaching about somebody to, to come. So we can look at the life of, of John the Baptist and, and see some, something that we can apply into our life. Because uh, if John was testifying about Jesus and making Jesus famous, then, then I wanna be somebody like that. I, I wanna be living my life that points towards Jesus. So he's a model of how we can conduct ourselves in this world. And so I want us to just look at some, some points about this. Because they asked John the Baptist. The religious leaders came to him. We just read it. They said, who are you? Who are you? This is odd. You're not like everybody else. And I think right away, that's a great point. You don't have to just fit in with what's going on. You're called to look a little different to how the world operates. You're called to think a little different and you can be a little odd for Jesus. So, so he was, they came and they asked us, who are you? And I love John's response. And we'll, we'll read, um, just to get ourselves connected with what he's saying, we'll read that um, from verses uh, 19, the Jewish leaders came and they asked him, um, So I'll just read it. This was the testimony of John when the Jewish leaders sent priests and temple assistants from Jerusalem to ask John whether he claimed to be the Messiah. He flatly denied it. I am not the Messiah, he asked. Well, then who are you? They asked. Are you Elijah? No, he replied. Are you the prophet? No. Then who are you? They said again. Tell us so we can give an answer to those who sent us. What do you have to say about yourself? Verse 23 John replied in the words of Isaiah, I am the voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare a straight pathway for the Lord's coming. John's response when asked about who he was was to immediately point to who Jesus is. His whole identity was wrapped up in Jesus, his whole purpose of life wasn't about building a life for himself. And that's a key for us if somebody were to ask us or to to survey our life and to ask us, well, who are you? Maybe they don't express it. Maybe they're thinking it. Maybe they're just looking at you, how you conduct yourself. I'm trying to get a gauge of who that person is. Does our life point to Jesus more than it points to who we are? Does it point to what God's asking us to do in our world rather than what I'm wanting to build for myself? Real talk. Uh Does my life point towards Jesus. And so we want to position ourselves as people just like John, when the, when the questions are asked and when people want to know what we're about, that our life will point to Jesus. John's life was centred around Jesus. And, and I think that's a key for us. We, God's not looking for part-time. Part-time is, uh, we need a point six full-time, uh, part-time Christian to fill in the role and uh, the rest of the time do your thing. He's... <laughs> He's wanting us to be completely sold out to who Jesus is. So would you in your life just take stock and just ask yourself, does my life point to Jesus? Is my life centred around Him? Because I love what he said. He said, I've come and he quoted the prophet Isaiah. He says, I am the voice shouting in the wilderness. Prepare a straight pathway for the Lord's coming. And I just see the, the relevance of John's purpose in his life in preparing a way for the Lord to come so, that, so that, that Jesus could come. I believe that we are all called to be a John the Baptist in our world and prepare the way for the Lord, to make the straight path so that the Lord could come in and meet with people, so that the Lord could come in and touch my school, so that the Lord could come in and meet my family. Prepare a way for the Lord. We are called to be preparers for Jesus because He's come already. But the the relevance of of breaking down the barriers and and smashing down the obstacles, that's still relevant for us to do. That's why as a church, we have committed to helping people find and follow Jesus. We want to make it easier for people to connect with faith and harder. So would you in your life begin to feel the call of God in your world to say, would you just make the path straight? Would you help people find me? So his whole identity was wrapped up in Jesus. His whole purpose was wrapped up in Jesus. And these are things that we can implement in our life to help us because the whole, the whole idea of what I was talking about at the start is how do we be people that actually receive Jesus? and not people that miss it. So in order to be people that receive it, we want to model our life after John the Baptist who did receive it, he saw it. So he centred his life on God. His identity was in Jesus. His purpose was found in Jesus. And I think sometimes we are trying to look for our identity in the things that we do, but God's saying, would you just find me and then I'll show you what your purpose is in that? It's like seek first the kingdom of God and all His righteousness, and, and it'll be, it's like when you when you lose yourself, you will find Him. It's like you'll sometimes we can look in the wrong place for the fulfillment that God's wanting to bring us, and really we just need to go to the source. So if you say my purpose is to seek God, and then let Him do everything else from that, you're going to be golden. You're going to be set. It's going to set you on a great path. So. We wanna centre our life on Him. Everything that we do, we wanna make it about Him. And I know I'm being repetitive, but I'm hoping some of this will will stick in with you and maybe it'll just be like sticky sand from the beach to just, just be with you all week and greet you in a little <laughs> but in a way that is helpful and positive to your faith. And um, So John the Baptist, making straight paths. So one thing that we see from John is that he was humble. When asked about... Um, his life, he didn't want to make himself bigger. In fact, he even said, um, he says there, as I find it. I can't find the exact verse, but at some point in that scripture we just read, he says, but Jesus must become greater and I must become less. Jesus must become greater and I must become less. I think sometimes people might get caught up in, well, how does this affect my image? Or how does this affect what people would think about me? And John didn't care what people thought about him. It's all, all he cared about is what they thought about Jesus pointing back to Jesus and I love John. He not only was humble but he was expectant for God to do something, he was expectant for God to bring something. So I think we can position ourselves and he was expectant and he was positioned because he was waiting for God to bring Jesus, bring the one he didn't know who it was, but he was not only expectant but he he positioned himself in the place that, that God told him to, to, to go and to baptize people so that that he could receive that. I think in our life, as we're seeking something from God and we're seeking a touch from the Lord and wanting to receive what He has for us, there's a a lot can be said about expectation. A lot can be said about how we position ourselves. So if you're not expecting God to move in your life, likelihood is you're not gonna receive that. We're talking about receiving and not receiving. If you wanna be a receiver of what God is wanting to give you, I want you to start being like John the Baptist and start being expectant for God to give you something. Start to be expectant that God wants to speak to you about that problem. Start to be expectant that God wants to give you a a, a word of knowledge for that person. Expect, be hungry, uh, be be ready, and then position yourself. And John positioned himself in the place of baptising people. We can position ourselves in place, and we're gonna get to the application now. We can position ourselves to receive from God in in our posture of, God, I just wanna worship You. God, I'm gonna make time to read the Word and and i'll I'll stop now, but the application for what I think we can draw from this passage is that would we, in this week and in our life, take time to behold Jesus? John says, "Behold the Lamb of God, Paul, you can play some music, that's great. Um, behold Jesus. What I love there is that this idea of worship would you? Would you, in your life, position yourself to just see Jesus afresh and take the time to say, Jesus, I just wanna, I wanna behold You. I wanna behold Jesus. And in the, chap, in the verses we read last week, it says, it talks about Jesus In verses 14, it says, So the Word became human and lived here on earth among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen His glory, the glory of the only Son and the Father. So as we say, God, I want to behold You. God, I want to behold Your glory. I want to see You for who You are. God, I don't, I don't just wanna see You from my perspective of what I know You to be, but I wanna see You as the glorious One, as the Son of the Father, as the Creator and the Sustainer of the universe. I wanna see You, Jesus, as the Lamb of God that came to take away my brokenness. Would You behold Him again in your life? And we talked about, take stock of your life. Does our life point to Jesus? Does it revolve around Him? Am I relying on On the Holy Spirit empowering for everything that I need to do. Like Jesus modeled, would you rely on Him and not yourself? And the major part is would you receive Him into your life? Receive Him again, receive Him afresh, day by day. God, I receive the mercy, I receive your love, I receive your forgiveness. Would we not become too grown for that? Would we become not too Christian to ask for help and to ask for forgiveness? Let's pray. Lord, thank You for Your Word. We want to behold You in our life. We want to see You for who You are. We want to see You as the glorious One. Thank You that You are the Creator and Sustainer of all things. God, would You just stand in front of every person right now The same God that created everything is the same God that's creating in you. The same God that created the universe is the same God that's creating in you. The Bible says, I wanna create a new heart in you. And that's the work of Jesus in your life. I wanna give an opportunity right now that you need to make that decision where you receive Jesus and everything that comes with it. If that's what you need to do, would you just raise your hand? I wanna pray with you. You say, today, Sheldon, I need to receive Jesus. Would you just raise your hand? I want to pray with you. God bless you, sir. Did I? If I've missed, can you just wave again at me? I see. God bless you, sir. If you need to receive Jesus, you just raise your hand. And as you raise your hand, that's just a sign. It's just a sign of surrender. It's a sign of saying, God, would you help me? And I just want to pray for everybody right now in this place and those of you that raised your hand. Would you just pray along with me? All of us just pray together. Jesus, I receive you. I need your help to be the person that you've called me to be. In that moment, Jesus says, I am creating anew afresh in your life. The old is gone and the new has come. In Jesus' name.